0: This week on Project Botany, we're gonna talk about how plants move. Welcome to the Crop Testing Greenhouse. Here, we test how crops of plants we have been developing perform in a crop setting. This house is growing sunflowers. Sunflowers are not a special crop, just a normal crop. However, you might notice that each flower head is pointing to the sun. This incredible feat is so the plant has all its leaves facing the sun as it moves overhead. But, this is not unique to the sunflower. Most plants will exhibit this behavior, which is called phototropism, or the ability of a plant to grow or move in response to a light source. This is interesting, as plants are considered sessile and don't move from their location. But, within the space they have been planted, plants tend to move a lot, it's just very slow. Let's take one of the sunflowers to the lab and we'll take a look at how all this works. Oxen, as we talked about in What Are Plant Hormones, is a plant growth hormone that is key to how phototropism works. It all starts with the humble photoreceptor, which is made up of two parts, a pigment called a chromophore and a protein, all of this located in the plant cells. The chromophore's job is to absorb light, When it does, it activates the protein that kicks the whole process off. Normally, there is an even distribution of auxin causing the plant to grow evenly. When one side of the plant starts to receive much more light than the other, an imbalance in auxins is formed. When there is an imbalance of light being absorbed by the plant, it sends auxins to the shaded part of the plant, which causes cells on the shaded side of the plant to elongate and push the top of the plant towards the light. Given a podcast is just audio, It's hard to see this kind of stuff. Try holding your finger up in front of you. If there is a single light source around you, imagine that is the sun. You'll notice there is a shaded side and a light side to your finger. Pretend your finger is a plant for a second and all the auxins are moving to the shaded side of your finger. Now, bend your finger towards the light using the shaded side. You may have to rotate your hand for this to be comfortable. Once you bend your finger, it will be evenly lit, but it will also be pointed at the light source. And that's more or less how a plant would do it. Let's give the text in here a break and head to the germination lab to talk about other mechanisms that cause plants to grow. Have you ever planted a seed upside down? If it were a thing, you'd think it would be very common, or you would have done it already. Well, lucky for us, we don't have to worry about that at all. Plants have a mechanism for knowing which way they are facing. Gravitrophism is a plant's way of detecting and reacting to the Earth's gravity. Let's grab a tray of seedlings and I'll show you what I mean. Here are some Placanthus scuttleroides or coleus. The seeds require light to germinate, so they're all right here on the surface. If you look closely, you can see a tiny root starting to emerge from some of the seeds, and they're all going towards the soil. Some have even started to prop up the seeds a little, and cotyledons, or baby leaves, are starting to open. Roots and shoots both know which way to grow because of positive and negative gravitrophism, respectively. The systems are different between roots and shoots when it comes to gravitrophism. Roots have something called statoliths that float in the cytoplasm of the cell. Their job is to stimulate the creation of auxins and are denser than the cytoplasm, meaning they sink. When the root is not growing straight down or in a desirable direction, the statoliths start to pool at the bottom of the root. This causes the cells on the bottom to grow faster and this changes the path of the root until the tip is growing in the right direction. This is positive gravitrophism, or a plant following gravity to know where to go. Shoots have a similar process where the auxins are sent in the direction opposing gravity, promoting growth away from the earth. This is called negative gravitropism and is paired with phototropism. The last form of movement is nastic movement, a form of rapid movement. The plant that is best known for this is Dioena muscipula, or the Venus flytrap. In fact, we have a whole greenhouse dedicated to carnivorous plants. Let's head over. The Venus flytrap, along with many other carnivorous plants, live in marshy swamps, which don't have a lot of nutrients, but a lot of bugs. The Venus flytrap over time found out that it could eat bugs to make up for the missing nutrients. The iconic look of a Venus flytrap is its two large lobes lined with filaments. These lobes are actually a single leaf. The split down the middle is like the divide on other flat leaves. On the inside of the lobes are six little hairs, three on each side. These hairs are how a Venus flytrap detects when there is a bug inside. Last but not least is the nectar. Venus flytraps line the inside of the trap with a sweet nectar meant to attract insects. When an insect lands on the Venus flytrap, the plant doesn't immediately close. It waits. As the fly or bug scurries around the surface of the leaf, it will touch one of the receptors. With the first trigger, the plant waits again for up to 30 seconds, just waiting for the fly to hit another receptor or the first one again. When it does, a few things happen. An electrical signal moves towards the center of the trap. Along the way, it opens pores that send water from the inside of the leaf to the outside of the leaf. This causes the normal convex leaf to suddenly become concave, snapping shut and trapping the insect inside. Between 7 to 10 days later, the leaves will open again, having digested its meal, ready for another insect to come by. There is one last kind of plant movement I would like to talk about, and it's called turgor pressure. Let's head to the desert lab and ask the text for a sample there. Here in the desert lab, we not only test what sort of plants would survive in this climate naturally, but we also put other plants through the ringer here and see what other plants might survive and try to breed better plants. The tex, in fact, already have a sad-looking plant for me. This is a Portulaca olercia, or a Portulaca. They naturally grow in hot climates, but today we're testing just how dry they can go and still survive. If we water it, which I'm sure the tex are about to do, over time you would see the plant start to perk up again. This is because as the roots take up water, it pushes that water up to the shoots of the plant, and because the cells are low on water, They are more saline, and the water naturally rushes to a more saline environment to balance the salinity. As the cells fill with water, they almost inflate like water balloons, and they start to push against each other, lifting the plant up. A beautiful example of nature at work. Thanks again for tuning in to Project Botting. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. And next time you're out in the garden or at the park, see if you can see any plants moving. You never know what you could find. And don't forget to tune in next week for another episode of Project Botany.